Hello everyone and welcome back after a long hiatus to the Music Education and Technology Podcast featuring myself, Chris Russell, and my co-host, Paul Shimmons. Hello everyone, welcome back. We've been a little bit busy on our ends teaching, you know, trying to like make a living. Chris, you had a musical, right? Yeah, we had our music winter musical. Um, we did Lion King Jr. and that just takes all of my afternoons for three months basically. So... Um, we're back, and uh, later in this podcast, we'll have an interview with David Zemsky, who is the creator of the Sheet Music Scanner. We interviewed him actually a couple of weeks ago, and we haven't had a chance to put kind of the opening together for that podcast uh, for, or for this podcast. There's been some things in the news. Uh, both Paul and I have been, again, busy with school, but there hasn't been any new hardware from Apple um, we're expecting some things maybe in June with the Worldwide Developers Conference that's going to happen in early June, I think June 5th. And um, so otherwise, there's been really no new hardware news, and I haven't seen anything even in the Bluetooth or anything. There's been some program updates, and I know Paul and I have both used that new handwriting recognition software called Comp. And that was fun to try out. We were both on the beta team, and it is actually out, like, for real now it's subscription based yeah that's it yeah it's subscription based and it's per month or per year and again i think both paul i think you and i both don't necessarily like the subscription model i don't here's you know and here's part of the problem i'm an educator on you know in, in a lot of these programs and software and the technology that i use we purchase through the school and, and technology budget budgets here, and we're never guaranteed from year to year how much money we're going to have. So case in point, like FileMaker, I use FileMaker every single day, but I'm still on version 14, and where they just released version 16, and I've just decided it's not been worth my time or worth my money to buy that upgrade. Same thing with my drill writing program. I'm like five years behind, but it's doing the job and I haven't paid anything for it in like five or six years or longer, maybe. So and then there's also the economy of uh, just a school license. So if you wanted to, you know, like, for example, I think you went with NoteFlight, right? NoteFlight Learn. Yep. And I know I tried out the uh, flat IO uh, subscription for education. I gave that a shot with my students for a month, about one month of it. And, um, you know, there you're dealing with subscription, but it's a very set logical price. But how is a school, for example, with iPads supposed to buy something like Comp or to buy something like Music Jot, some of the new handwriting? I still find handwriting to be a very slow way to put music into a program. And I know that there are people that love StaffPad and there are people, Paul mentioned that there was some guy, a, a marching band writer that liked to write by hand. That's, I mean, he's been doing March band arranging for years by hand, which I kind of blows me out of the water that he's not using a computer in like a keyboard or something, because that's how I used to do it. It just seemed a whole lot faster. I, I would have hated to have to write out all the music that I've done into my computer through Sibelius and, and Finale. If I would have had to write all that stuff out, it would have taken me so much longer through the years. So yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah, if you're not technologically minded, maybe it makes more sense to just draw. That's, that's a possibility. Maybe there's a speed that comes with time um, in use of it. But I, I don't know. And, and I... And I was uh, lucky enough to earn one of the year subscriptions to Comp just because I gave them feedback. And, you know, I'll, I'll use it from time to time and see what they've added. But 
and I'm not certainly going to tell anybody not to buy it or not to subscribe to it, but it'd be very hard to put into play into a school right now, even if you were a one-to-one iPad school. Well, and here is an upside to using that handwriting is like you just mentioned just a little bit is it does get rid of some of the technical barriers of having to learn an app in some ways. You sit down with an iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil and you start drawing a note. So maybe it's an easy way to start compositions. It's an easy way to start an arrangement. If you're out someplace in the car and you want to write some things down, why not? You don't need a keyboard. It's kind of fun to play with. It's amazing that it works. Yeah, it really is. And now we're actually getting to a whole bunch of choices. So you've got comp, you've got music shop, you've got touch notation by Kawhi, you've got notate me, and you have the notation engine that's embedded in uh, Notion. By the way, Notion and is it Music Jot share the same engine that actually recognizes the, the handwriting? What is that engine? I keep forgetting. MyScript? Yeah, it's the MyScript people that do the math and other things. And they were the people that were originally working with that initial music technology program that blew everybody's mind with the idea of write, handwriting music. So they were working with them. And then when that company went defunct, I think they just kept developing the, the tool. And now other software companies can license it. This is a little bit of a side note. But talking about handwriting on tablets and such, Chris, have you tried the Good Notes app? I have not. Is is that that isn't the old Good Reader, is it? No, this is this is for handwriting notes. I use Notability. I've used it for a couple of years now. But this would be like a notebook on my iPad. Use my Apple Pencil, and I write, or you pet your finger on a normal iPad too, and it recognizes your handwriting, and it's really cool because you can sit there and handwrite pages and pages of notes. And then go back and search for things. And I'm telling you what, my handwriting is atrocious and it recognizes it. I mean, I have yet to write something that it does not recognize. Well, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, one more thing about that. I don't think I'm ready to replace Notability with it, but it's sitting there. It's kind of fun to play with and it's definitely usable. Well, way more than usable. It's very useful. Good notes. Okay, well, to put that into the show notes, yes. Now, you had also asked me if I had paid attention to a new tablet that was out, and I had even forgotten about the name of it. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's spelled G-V-I-D-O. It's out of Tokyo, Givido. I don't know. But yeah, it's like this, it's e-ink technology. It's two tablets. What, how, what size are those? I think they're like the size of an iPad Pro, isn't it? Because it's like the size of normal paper. At least. And each, yeah, and each tablet is that big. So you've got two tablets, folds up basically, and it looks like, you know, a lot like if you're walking on stage with it, it looks like you're walking on stage with a music folder. But it's an e-inked technology. But my question, and the question I've been bouncing around with other people online, is it's like $1,600. And I'm just not sure what they're thinking. I'm not sure why they think that's... A good price point. That might be the price of what it costs them to develop it and sell it when they're dealing with such a large e-ink screen. And then, oh, the other thing they showed is that you can actually use a a pen and write on it. And it's supposed to have a little bit faster page turning than traditional e-ink. And if you haven't used e-ink, that'd be like a Kindle. If you've ever seen a Kindle in play and how it has that little instant flash as it changes the page and then it kind of freezes. So it's real low energy, um, real high contrast. You could use it in bright light. Um, in dark light, I suppose they'd have to put a backlight in. I don't even know if it has a backlight. Although I think the pen 
to write on it is an extra cost, kind of like the Apple Pencil with the iPad. I think I saw that by Robert Puff. If, if you guys haven't seen Robert Puff, he has a blog where he discusses uh, notation, particularly Finale, I think, is, is his major deal, which actually brings another topic to mind, which is if you weren't paying attention, there was this, there is this wonderful blog by Philip Rothman that was originally by Daniel Spreadbury, who's the um, head of Dorico. That'll lead to another discussion in a couple minutes. But anyway, they when Daniel Spreadbury left Sibelius, he left the Sibelius blog in the hands of Philip Rothman. Philip has been doing the Sibelius blog, but has really expanded the blog to cover all sorts of topics dealing with notation. And now they just changed their name about a month ago, I think, to Scoring Notes instead of the Sibelius blog, which more reflects their use. And Philip, I mean, he's he uses everything. So his reviews of these software programs is just stunning. And, and sometimes it's a guest writer, but the depth that they go into in a review is almost too much for me. And I, I mean that in the, in the, with the highest praise possible, that if I'm to the point where I'm overtecked, you, you know it's... It's in-depth analysis of a program. And so he deals with Finale, Sibelius, MuseScore, Notion, um, these new ones, Comp, StaffPad. If it's in the world of notation, um, they're covering it. So check out, I think it's Scoring Notes, which is their their latest updated blog. You're correct. It is scoringnotes.com. If you're not using a, um RSS reader to kind of keep track of some of these people, you should be. What RSS reader are you using? I was going to ask. Mr. Reader on my iPad. But that, if you don't know what RSS feed is, there's so many websites that I keep track of different technology things on or just kayaking or whatever I'm interested in. But I don't want to have to go check those websites all the time to see if there's been a, a new post. And with the RSS reader like that, it tells me every day I have like a hundred things I that are new that comes across my news feed. It's like my personal newspaper. It's great. What do you use, Chris? Well, I used to use Google Reader in the old days, and then they Google killed that product, which, again, makes me nervous about all Google products that someday they just say, we're not going to do it anymore. When they announced that that was going to be gone, there was a service called Feedly that I subscribe to, and, and I still follow all my RSS feeds on Feedly. So the two places I look to stay current on information are Feedly and then also, obviously, Twitter are the two places that I look for things. And then that leads us, um, scoring notes, leads us to the originator, Daniel Spreadbury, who went to work for Steinberg making Dorico. And then, Paul, you had a little update about Dorico for everybody. I'm trying to find it on their website, and I'm not... I'm not finding it. So if I'm wrong on this, somebody please correct me. But I'm pretty sure that it came across that if you are a Sibelius Finale Notion user, um, you can get a cross-grade price for Dorico. And if you're in education, that cross-grade price is only $159.99. Wow, so... It's very reasonable if you want to get into the newest music notation app. But I think that price is only good until June. Have you bought Dorico yet, Paul? I have not. I have the trial sitting on my laptop waiting for me to use and try out. But, I, you know, this spring has just been crazy. And I just have not had the time to try it. Have you tried it? I have not. I, I watched the videos. But then when I hear about all the stuff it still doesn't have but it's coming... There's a part of me that just wants to wait until it has it. 
Yeah. I can I already have Notion where I'm doing right now I'm doing Notion for about 95% of my work and then probably 5% of my work is finale and, and that's not being mean but um in the stuff that I'm doing with the ukulele stuff generally Notion is way more friendly for that. I mean the the chord charts and everything that are embedded in it just makes that so much easier that I don't really feel the need to add something else to my workflow. Right. And in a, in a situation where I just need to do something really quick and dirty, then I pull out MuseScore. Um, like at school, for example, where, you know, especially if I want to take a screenshot of something, man, MuseScore has some great tools for that. And there's a new version of MuseScore that came out. It's, it's not very functionally different, but just in case you're staying up to date with things. Incidentally, I should add Notion was on sale. I don't know if it still is. And then I also saw that Incredibox is on sale this week. So hopefully we can get this podcast out during the week while it's still on sale. What What is it? Incredibox? Incredibox. It's this kind of goofy looping app with the dude. And as you put on different outfits on the dude, they sing different songs. The M&Ms are using Incredibox, aren't it? Yeah. It's like I'm watching this commercial. I'm like... Wait a minute. That's Incredibox. Yeah, I don't know if they're still doing that or not. Well, I just saw it the other day. I remember I don't I I've always meant to go and find the um there's a little website that comes up during that commercial. And I'm like, oh I gotta go do that, but I don't I haven't. Notion is not on sale anymore. Okay. So never mind that, but watch for it because um they are Personas does put things on sale occasionally. And just watch their social media, and then you'll find out when they things when things go on sale. What else did we have? We have been, again, kind of letting the podcast go as we've been dealing with the struggles of our, our normal lives and our the demands in our time. But we will be in touch and coming back with some more podcasts, and maybe we'll try to catch up a little bit over the summer. I know soon we're going to interview Ubercord. Ubercord, again, is the host of our podcast for this year, this academic year or a little bit beyond, where they've paid for our SoundCloud hosting fees for the year. And we're going to get a chance to talk to them. They just recently inked another deal with Universal Music so that they can have more material. And um, their, I think their CEO or president will be joining us and we'll get a chance to visit with them. And um, we also hope to catch up with a couple of the other people we've wanted to be talking to for quite a while. And maybe we can keep working on some of the developers that have been a little bit reluctant to visit with us to hopefully get them on and some of the other music educators in the summer if we can find some common time. Yep. It's always nice to talk to these guys. They're so easy to talk to. They're very friendly, always open to suggestions. Not at all scary. Not at all. And it's always fascinating, the backstories. You know, I know I've in some of the people I've talked to before we interview them, you know, they're like, well, my story isn't that interesting. But when you start hearing about them and their background and, and the choices that they're making and, and things, it's it, sometimes knowing the personal story makes the software that much more appealing to me. I don't know if, if you find the same thing or not. I do. Oh, you know, it's that, it's that connection and finding out that there is a real person back there behind that software that's working on it and is interested in it and wants to hear from us and help us. And then the mind blowing is that it's usually one person too for a lot of these people we've talked to. It's insane. And this David, um, David, who we're going to be talking to, or you're going to hear the podcast with, um, just fascinating to see a single individual who is revolutionizing sheet music scanning. Who would have thought that just some guy, you know, from the Czech Republic originally, who would just 
come up with another way of, of doing things and incredibly responsive. And that isn't to pick on any of the other solutions that are out there. Um, people that know me know that I really, really, really respect the work of Neurotron. And uh, I just, in fact, today, Paul, as we were talking about this before we started recording, our band director is on maternity leave and her substitute teacher, long-term sub, is a finale expert. And she was working with a student who's normally a French horn player who's going to be playing trumpet and she wanted to transpose something. So she had the trumpet score and I told her, I said, well, here, I bet you I can get that into finale real quick. And she said, there's no way you could beat me entering it. And I said, oh yeah. And I grabbed my phone and for this case, because I wanted the dynamics and everything to scan in with it, I because again, Sheet Music Scanner won't do that yet, but Notion, or um, sorry, Notate Me does with, with uh, the Photoscore in-app purchase. I took two pictures of the two pages. It scanned with about, you know, I'd say 90% accuracy if you if you count uh, multi-measure rests as being inaccurate, you know, the missing multi-measure rests. Yep. Um, and so she had to still put in the multi-measure rests and kind of move some of those like crescendos and decrescendos. But she sat there just kind of in quiet awe and was just like, oh, you know, <laughs> I guess I couldn't have done it faster than you. I'm like, no, that's the point is that you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours re-entering things anymore. And then, then I took a picture of Sheet Music Scanner of another page for her to use and again, very, very accurate, but without those extra things that like Neurotron picks up. But again, a $5 app or a $70 app altogether versus what used to cost you the cost of a computer, the scanner, and the software. Yeah, and it's revolutionizing and totally changing our workflow of how we do things. And it's still scary how many music educators and musicians just don't know about it. So... Spread the word, people, please. And we talk with David about that a lot, too. Yeah, and that, that interview. Anyway, so we're going to stay in touch. We're going to keep going with the podcast. No, we didn't stop. We just, life got busy. And again, as this doesn't bring any income into Paul or I, and that's not as a something to be crying about, this is something we're doing just as a way to give back. You know, I don't even think we've gotten a cup of coffee out of this yet. Have we, Paul? I haven't. <laughs> nope, nothing. And that's fine, But but, you know... This is this is the point, isn't it? Of in my district, we have two music teachers. There's the choir teacher who also teaches the elementary music, and myself. And I teach five through twelfth grade band. I don't see her, but for like a minute on any given day. And then, who else do I talk to throughout the rest of the week? That's a musician that's interested in technology and teaching and learning new ideas. Everybody else I talk to is online, and. There's so many ideas that we throw around. And that's what Chris and I like doing is just talking. What are you doing? What's new in your world? And what have you found that's that that we could possibly put to use at our own schools? I don't care if I don't get paid. Right. You know, now granted, someday if this ever became a salaried thing, I that that wouldn't be so bad either. But that's not why we're doing it. In a connected way, I'd also say if you haven't listened to Katie Wardrobe's podcast, and Katie is an Australian uh, music teacher that basically is completely, I believe, 100% full-time in uh, professional development of music teachers. She has a podcast that's out there that you can find, too, and she's covering a bunch of topics. And at some point, maybe we'll get a chance to talk to Katie in like a double back-and-forth 
um, podcast together in, in terms of, of what she's doing. But she's doing great things there. And she has the ability without, you know, the, the teaching, daily teaching gigs like we have, that she can actually commit to a regular broadcast schedule where we have to kind of put in wherever it fits. She's got right now, it looks like 17 podcasts on her website, which is midnight, yeah, midnightmusic.com.au. So, yeah, very interesting podcast. Any other thoughts, Paul, before we turn this over to David? No, I'm good for right now. Okay, and then once again, I, I really want to thank um, Ubercord for sponsoring our podcast. If you're trying to learn guitar, please go check it out. Ubercord is also the driving force, um, the engine behind Monster Chords, which is another ukulele and guitar app that, that's out there that's connected. Um, it says powered by Ubercord. And we'll hopefully get a chance to visit with them in the future. But if you haven't checked them out, please do. Because, again, they're graciously uh, covering the only cost of this podcast, which is actually hosting the files on SoundCloud. Didn't Ubercore just have an update? Yeah, big update that added some material. Yeah, if you haven't checked out the latest update from Ubercord, go and do it because it was pretty significant. And with that, we'll move on to our interview with David Zemsky, who is the, the developer and creator of this really disruptive sheet music scanning software called sheet music scanner so stick around and catch the second half of our podcast today thanks much for listening Welcome back to the Music Education Technology Podcast. I'm here with Paul Shimon, and our guest is David Zemsky, who is the developer of the Sheet Music Scanner app. So, David, why don't you introduce yourself and your app a little bit and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name is uh, David Zemsky. Uh, I'm a software engineer. I'm, I have an app named uh, Sheet Music Scanner. Um, we can get to the app uh, in a minute. Um, I work as a software engineer. Um, I live in Ireland, but I'm from Czech Republic, which is a small country in the Central Europe. Um, I've programmed since the age of 12, I think. Um, and I come from a family with a few musicians. So I play the classical guitar. Um, but uh, my day job is a, I'm a software engineer. Um, I have developed uh, an app that can uh, that can scan sheet music and play it for you. In a nutshell, that's what it does. And you started developing at the age of twelve. How did that start? Yes. So yeah, I, when I was twelve, it was just a hobby. So I was uh, in the late 80s, I think. So it was quite, uh, people these days wouldn't remember it probably, or uh, they can't uh, imagine how difficult it was. It was loading the programming language from a tape. Um, 
at the beginning of each session, <laughs> then you and there would you would have a, a load error, so you would have to load it again, and that's so that's what I remember when I was a kid how I started, and then uh, eventually we had some programming lessons, uh, and then when I was student at the university, it, I the half of my specialization was computer science, and uh, since I graduated, uh, I've worked as a professional software engineer. Uh, and that's when I stopped. Uh, actually, I, I played a lot of classical music, and uh, that's when I stopped playing because the, at the beginning the, lear the learning curve was very steep. Of when I started my career as a software engineer, so unfortunately I had to stop playing music. Uh, but eventually, um, so I graduated in two thousand, and uh, eventually, uh, after twelve years, I. I was thinking that I could buy a guitar again and start playing, so I, I bought a guitar, and uh, so I, I can tell you the story of the app basically <laughs> how how it uh, I decided to work on it. Um, so as I bought the the guitar, uh, I ordered some nice uh, sheet music, some jazz, and I was going through the sheets. This was in two thousand twelve, I think. So so I was going through the sheet music and. Uh, I learned one or two pieces, but it was more difficult than I could play straight away following the, the sheet. Um, so I was thinking it would be great to know how it sounds like before actually investing the energy to, to learn it. Because typically it would take me a few days to figure it out so that it was smooth. Um, so, so I thought that there, there must be a technology there, there must be software that that would do it for me that would just uh, I would take a picture scan it even using table scanner um, and I started looking I found some some scanners uh, some of the big ones um, and to my big surprise uh, out of those three or four really expensive scanners there was only one who read it partially that piece which sounded quite surprising so that's uh, just out of curiosity I started looking for research how come or what's uh, what the state of the art is um, and I realized that it's uh, it's kind of not solved the problem and so I started looking into it more and then eventually I decided I was thinking that even with uh, not, not only it wasn't very good um, at the time it wasn't uh, the scanning capabilities weren't good uh, uh, using table scanners, but there was no, in 2012, there was no uh, mobile software. Uh, so I decided, I, I was I did some initial tests and I, I realized that it would be doable to some extent. Um, so that's, that's how I decided to work on it. How long did it take you to get going on that? Because, I don't know, this is like, I've tried programming stuff. <laughs> And I'm totally lost. So trying to recognize a sheet of music, how long has, you, since 2012, you started it, right? And then how yes. long until you actually had something that was working? Um, so typically the way you would develop software these days would be to have short iterations. So to deliver as soon as possible to, to users to give you early feedback so that you don't work on something that they don't want. So that's the idea of uh, agile methodology. Now, um, 
with this it was a bit difficult because I had to um, it, it's basically a subject of academic research these days so still so, so it's very um, it, it was difficult to, to, I didn't know where, where to start and uh, what language to use and uh, how to do so there's potentially cross-platform. Uh, um, so, so I decided on the language, on the environment, and then it took me, um, I had to learn the, the methodology. Uh, I had to learn the, let's say, mathematics around this image processing and recognition. So I had never done it before, so I, I didn't, even as a student, we didn't have it too much, so I had to relearn it. I read all the uh, academic research available online. Um, and uh, then I then it took me, I think, a year was the initial version which read something. Uh, and then it took me a few more months to create the user interface so that it's actually on the iPhone. So the, the first year and a half until the first release in 2014 was uh, very uh, frustrating because I was sitting home after work and counting pixels, basically. <laughs> so I, I opened the... Yeah, so I, it was it was uh, challenging, the motivation to, to, to actually keep going. Uh, then I released it and the first version... Um, it was bare minimum. It didn't actually play two voices at the same time. Um, so I, I just wanted to get it out to, to see what the reaction would be. And uh, I, I th yeah, so the, the first reviews were, were mixed. So there was a lot of, uh, there was missing, was missing a lot of features. It didn't, uh, I, I didn't have um, my, my tests, uh, Sheets, so, so I have a collection of test sheets that I try the up with, and uh, I I had something, but uh, thanks to big thanks to users that send me feedback because thanks to them, um, it's uh, I, I've collected a lot more, and I've made it better. And I think it took another year and a half to significantly improve the recognition rate. This was. Uh, 15 Christmas, and then I actually contacted you, Chris, um, because I thought that it was uh, reliable enough. But I still didn't have some, I think you said, I think initially we talked about music XML that I didn't uh, I didn't support it. And this is- Right, that was my big concern, yeah. Yeah, so actually that's quite interesting to this few groups of users uh, that use it in a completely different way and still, uh, based on my surveys uh, and feedback, majority of people don't process it. They, they just use it as a player. That's, that's let's say, 60-70%. Um, so, I, but I eventually, so I, I initially I didn't, I, I knew of uh, Music XML, but I thought it would be just for geeks, because I didn't know what, what kind of users would, who would find the app useful and how. Um, so that's a, uh, even initially, I didn't include that. Now, it's in now, together with some other stuff like MIDI and. Uh... Yeah, well, it's it's been there for quite a while too. I mean, you've had that there for, what six months, maybe seven months already at this point. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it was in the autumn, I believe. I introduced that. Yeah, so that's a uh, that's there. Um, 
and I still there's, there's still a lot more to go. So I have a to-do list and a lot of user feedback, feature requests. That's interesting that you say like 60 to 70% of the people using the app use it just to take a picture of the music and then play it back. So this is, this kind of sounds to me like um, people are just trying to learn how to play music just for the fun of it without maybe even a real teacher there or maybe in addition to a real teacher then. Yes, it's, um, so it's very difficult to guess. So at, at this point, there's uh, quite a few thousand people. I think it's, I don't know. Might be fifteen or twenty thousand people using it, and uh, they, they. So I get a lot of feedback now, and uh, so I was thinking how to uh, market it further. And uh, I, uh, so one of the first things that I heard that I heard was to, that I should know who these people are and how they use it. Um, so usually, what you do is you have some kind of they call it telemetry, um, which means some anonymous uh, logging, as, as in how many people have pressed this button, how many people uh, have used this function. So I have a, I, I have this, uh, majority of developers do that. And uh, based on that, you can tell uh, what better people use the share button or export to something or how long it takes to, to, to scan it and what kind of devices they use. But uh, that's not enough because I can't tell who they are. Um, so what I did was I prepared a survey. There's various ways how to do that. And with uh, one of the releases around Christmas, last Christmas, I I added um, a link, a dialogue when they uh, the user sees after some time, after I think a few days, uh, it prompts them to fill in a survey. So now I have some data, and that's how I can tell who they are. I can tell that they uh, they are they use it. I, that's actually one of the question is is uh, what you said, Paul was uh, um, whether they use it uh, as a, just to learn music without a teacher, or whether they are students or choir directors. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of questions specifically around this. Um, Majority, I can actually tell you the, <laughs> can tell you the results right now. Uh, there is, it, it, it helps a lot. Um, so if any um, app developers, if, if there are any app developers listening to this, uh, I can uh, I can recommend this. This uh, helps a lot. It gives you uh, a clear insight as people tell you what, who they are and, and what they do. And that's good that people are willing to share that with you because like you said, that's, that's going to help you form the roadmap of where you're going with the app and what else you add to it. Sure. Yes. So I can actually tell you the questions. I'm trying to look it up here. Uh, where was that survey at? How did you push that out? Yes. Uh, it's a uh, typeform.com. Okay. Uh, is the platform. There is, um, um, you can set up a form and it, it's, uh, it's very accessible on any device. Um, and I think it's free for you can run I don't know how many uh, how many uh, surveys in parallel, but it gives you reports up to 100 responses uh, per month. I think. How did you get it to your users? Did you put it as a, was it a part of the app when we installed it or something? Yes. So that's so that's what I said. I, I actually uh, with one update, um, 
what you usually do in any app, you wait for a day or two and some user actions that people have actually used the app and then you prompt them for uh, for feedback on the app store. That's what most people do. And after, after that, I've just added one more dialogue. Let's say, uh, I think it was at least an hour after that dialogue. And I said, pretty please, can you fill in this? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember doing that. That's why I was asking. I, it's not it's not mandatory, so you can dismiss the dialogue. Um, but quite a few people actually. I was surprised how many responses I got. You just have to ask nicely. <laughs> that always helps, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I asked them. I saw the survey. I'm just looking at it. It's uh, how would you describe yourself? So majority, sixty percent of uh, of them are music hobbyists, and then fifteen uh, percent are high school high school students. Fourteen percent music professionals. And twelve percent music or quiet teachers. That doesn't surprise me a whole lot because when I talk to other music educators about this technology, I'd say the majority of them are not even aware of it, and they're surprised at how easy your app makes it. Yeah, that's great to hear. <laughs> uh, and I, so you asked, uh, oh, we were talking about how people might use it. So that's. I have a question. What pain point are you trying to solve with Sheet Music Scanner? Um, there's four or five uh, options, and majority, half of people say improving sight reading skills, and uh, a third of them says learning music despite not being able to read Sheet Music. Uh, and 28% is translating into new formats, so that's, uh, that's like you guys. So it's 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 kind of difficult uh, to guess who to uh, who to market market the app to. Um, you 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 see the potential any um, music teachers or musicians who who want to process it further. I definitely see a use case there, but I think even people who who don't process it and use it as a player that it might help them a lot. Oh, I think so for sure. My students use it when they want to try. Uh, um... You know, when you're sitting at home and you're trying to practice by yourself, it's hard to figure out how that sheet music should sound. And like you said, I think that there's a lot of your users that are doing that. Take a picture, scan it, and hit play. And that helps decipher that foreign language that's sitting on that page. Yes, that's, uh, that's great to hear that. That's the, that's, that was actually the main idea, just to take a picture and play. There was a couple of questions I wanted to ask and follow up on just before we move any further with the app, which was, um, you said that you're from the Czech Republic and you're in Ireland, and I'm curious how long you've been in Ireland and, and what brought you out there. And then the other thing I wanted to, to valid or to make sure that we covered was, um, it sounds like Sheet Music Scanner is not your primary job, and that's an interesting thing for people to know too because they think that, you know, it's like a larger software company like Microsoft or Apple where you just sit around writing this particular program all day, but this is your kind of hobby project, right? At this point, it is, uh, it is a hobby project. Um, I actually work for Microsoft <laughs> as a software engineer. So uh, that's the reason why I moved to Ireland. Uh, so I, I'm from a small, my, my hometown is a really small uh, town in the middle of nowhere. And uh, there's woods around it bears and and uh, I uh, so I decided after a few years of programming that um, I need to go somewhere where I can grow and learn and uh, 
I uh, at that point I didn't know that much, but I think I my decision was right that uh, Dublin it's the capital of Ireland, uh, is considered the Silicon Valley of Europe. So there's there's a lot of companies, there's Microsoft, Facebook, Google, Dell, PayPal, Amazon. All of them have their he European headquarters here. Um, so so it's great. It's, uh, it's that that's, uh, I, I didn't start at Microsoft when I initially moved uh, to Ireland. This was 12 years ago, but I think a year after that, I got a job at Microsoft and uh, I've been with them more or less. I think I just had a one year break when I did something else. Um, yeah, so I, I worked as a software engineer. Um, I um, And I eventually, as I got better and more experienced, I had more time. And that's when I started to, uh, that's how I, I decided to, to uh, start playing guitar again. But it only lasted for a few months because then, <laughs> as as I was looking for the technology, I for the scanning technology, I uh, I decided to work on this. Um, so that that was that's been my uh, side job since. It's a hobby. It takes a lot of time, and it's it's quite amusing when people send me this feedback and it's like, I love this company and the product, and uh, please guys, I'll stay with you and just work on it more and develop it. And it's like, it's me in my in the evenings <laughs> working on it. <laughs> so that's a, it's, a, I think it's, 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 that's the reason why it's actually not, um, it, it takes some time to, to d deliver new features. So when people ask for something, I usually say some, some stuff might take even half a year or a year if it's more difficult. So um, it, it, that, that's the reason, because it's not my main job. Well, who knows? <laughs> now you're developing. You're developing mainly on iPhone right now, or iOS. Are Are you looking at Android and Microsoft as well in in terms of deployment in the future? I have definitely uh, thought about it a lot. Um, there's a lot of aspects to this. Um, it's mostly a business decision. So the way I see it is. First of all, when I started working on it, uh, I have the core of the Opto Recognition technology, and that's written as cross-platform. So I can take that and uh, use it on any platform. The thing is, um, it's some of the stuff is cutting edge, and uh, it's not it's it's iOS specific. So let's say if if you see when you scan something in the app and you see it playing and highlighting the notes. I, I don't know whether you've noticed, but it's actually on the actual picture. It's the, it's the real picture. It's not, it's not rewritten as, um, like it's not, it's not uh, scanned and then printed out on the screen in new font. It's, it's, uh, it's actually the part of the picture that you've scanned. So it's the, it's the live picture. So, so that's, uh, that's fairly difficult to do so that it, uh, it works, uh, with the memory and the processor, and so that it actually doesn't crash on all the devices. And and if you scan, uh, like you try, um, if you try to scan fifty pages, so that it doesn't crash. So that's that. This is actually needs to be optimized for the platform. So this is the bit that is platform specific, and it would take significant effort to uh, to fine tune it for, let's say, Android. Um, so I have considered other platforms. Uh, the thing is, uh, my Time is my constraint at this point, um, so I I haven't looked into Android yet because I think there's still some there are still some features and some 
um, symbols that I need to implement first on iOS to, to get it done, basically the app, uh, and then, then I can start looking into transferring it. But it's, it's kind of ready. So I, I hope that I'll get to it, let's say, in a year. That's that's awesome. I know we've been chatting since since you contacted me, and you know my my first request was this is great. It's it's doing a job of interpreting, but it didn't have music XML. And then um, I know we had an initial discussion where you're like, I don't know if I want to add that. And I was like, Yeah, but you really got to add it, and you added it, which is fantastic. And the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is that if you're talking mobile platform, there are a couple of other solutions, but they cost a heck of a lot more. And I still think yours is the only platform that I can take an existing PDF and use to scan. And, and that's also a very unique thing to your app. I, I don't know of anybody else that, would, that does that on mobile right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they do, actually. And that's life-changing. I mean, that's life-changing when you've taken the time to scan your library, for example, and you want to convert something. You don't have to go and try to print it out in order to scan it or take a picture of an iPad screen to try to scan something, you, you actually can just keep it all on the platform, and that's huge. And then I know you're adding more stuff. You just recently had another release. Actually, I think there was a bug release that you just even released a day or two ago. Um, yeah, just, just watching it, but there was some more features that you added. What was the most recent set of features that you added to this app? I, I mostly worked on the recognition. So you reported some... Uh, some uh, there was an issue that in some cases it it got confused and didn't recognize some stuff lines when it was overlapping with long beams, node beams. So I, I improved that. And as I work through these improvements, I usually try to, this is something that most users don't see because it, for majority of people, it works somehow. So, so as I as I work through these uh, issues that some people report uh, to give the other people, to give them something, I, uh, I usually try to add something uh, more um, more generic that everybody can avail of. So in this case, it was uh, I added uh, some new audio formats, MP3 uh, and WAF, that's the Microsoft one, and then uh, I think export to PDF. Uh, so that's it's just to give people some some uh, some added value uh, as I work through the recognition issues because that's that's the most tedious uh, is bit is the, the scanning itself and i have actually one uh, i have now i my estimate is few months uh, of uh, going through these recognition issues as i've collected them from many users and improvements so i will um it as it works uh, better and better the app as i work through user feedback um there is uh, there's always something it's 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 vast the the field you know yourself you have worked with uh, scanning software um so this this uh, people ask for additional fonts and and some niche uh, occurrences of something. So I've collected that and I'll I'll be going through it. There will be major improvement in a few months. Um, I'll try to add some uh, other stuff for other people too. Uh, so I I have some I might add, let's say uh, repetition signs symbols to most a lot of people have asked for that. But I have I have a long to do list, uh, and as people give me more feedback, please do give me more feedback. It really helps and it changes the app. Um, I I usually uh, collect the features into buckets and uh, 
of similar features, and then I try to then I keep it uh, ordered or prioritized as basically who screams the most. <laughs> that that's the priority. Well, it makes me laugh that you're talking about adding value to an app that's already five dollars. I mean, that that makes me laugh because again, looking at the market. Um, as music educators, a lot of us grew up with Finale, and Finale had a certain program that was embedded in it that, quite honestly, was just horrendous to use, and it didn't do a good job. So we, you know, we were used to bad scanning. So one of the things is I don't think music educators know about your app. I mean, I can write about it in a blog, and maybe it hits 600 people, and maybe they tell two or three people. So maybe that's reaching you know, 1,800 people, and maybe Paul can blog and, and reach more on top of that. But the, the the world of music education is so saturated with people where scanning didn't do a good job that um, we're not used to that. And now, granted, there is, I, I will say, one name of another company. Neurotron is kind of the gold standard in the standing scanning industry. And your app does a lot of things Neurotron does, but it also does some things that Neurotron doesn't. But you're slowly working there. And one of the things I love about it is that I'll, you know, for example, if I'm playing and I'm scanning, and, and by the way, I have scanning seasons. Like I'm, I, I will scan when I'm getting ready with a set of music during the school year. I just don't scan all the time. So I have these seasons in my life where I'm scanning. So I will scan something and I'll find something that doesn't work. And I'll, I'll email you and I'll say, hey, David, um, this didn't work. And I'll actually send you the file and say, what, what do you think? What's happening? And my other favorite one is when I tried just the first time to scan that Mozart piece or whatever it was, and it was 20 pages or longer, and it crashed, and I was like, what's going on? And you wrote back and just said, well, I wasn't really expecting anybody to scan 20 pieces, twenty pages right now. But we do that. Music educators do that, and other people do that. So I, I, I know the idea, and one of my questions for you is this, David, is when, how do you see this app actually may, being able to sustain itself. Because for example, when an app like um, Neurotron's Notate Me is basically a $70 altogether purchase and yours is five, how do you see the next level where people like myself that get that $5 value out of it in the first week of using it, how, how do we help make sure that your app continues in the future after I've already paying that five dollars, how how do we help continue with that? Uh, that's a great question. Um, again, there's various aspects. Uh, uh, so I um, I think the way I see it is uh, I I try to look at it from a user's perspective when I when I started the app, and uh, frankly, uh, any Scanning software, it will always have issues with something. You, you wouldn't believe what people use it with, like uh, what kind of pictures then they send me. Uh, and these days, uh, that's probably a good thing. People believe that it's magic in that phone and it just works by magic and it works. Um, so that's a <laughs> quite, uh, the bar is quite high. And uh, if you look at it from this perspective, I, I don't want to charge, uh, I don't want to charge, let's say, $20 or over a tenner, let's say, uh, for something that might not work under some circumstances. So if my neighbors 
here in Ireland, um, they have a kid, he plays a guitar, he's 10 years old. If they buy the app, first of all, they wouldn't never buy an app over, let's say, a tenor. Um, and second, if they buy it, and it sometimes doesn't reach something, and it costs, let's say, 20, uh, it, would, it would be very disappointing. So the way I see it is any musician should be able to buy it. And there's lots of musicians in the world with iOS devices. So I, I believe that... Um, uh, I hope that I'm not giving away <laughs> too much of my <laughs> business plan. But my business plan is actually very simple. I just want everyone to have it. Um, I know that it's difficult. Uh, I, and I see there is a, there are not only competitors like uh, Neuratron. Well, it's just not directly a competitor. They are a different league. But uh, they... Uh, so their their value is their selling point is different. They they support a lot of symbols and they have handwriting, right? So so to the, that's a um, whereas I focus on one thing, very simple thing, um, but I, I I try to get it right. If you if you have a good audience, I think you're trying. That's a, I think they are part of one of the two publishers, right? No, they're actually one of, they're a standalone company. But um, they do have an agreement that runs with Sibelius. Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So they have actually access to their uh, target audience. I that's my guess, which means that you, you can basically saturate the market with your product. So that that's one strategy. It's great, and those people are educated and they know what they pay for. Whereas uh, I'm kind of out there randomly on the App Store and. Uh, People find it, I, I can tell from the survey, that people find it mostly through upsearch as random hits. Um, so with these kind of people, it's just, if I if I set the price to, let's say, $15, um, I, I, would, I, I would, my expectation would be that I would get, I would start getting bad reviews because of the value for the perceived value. And that's insane to me, knowing the, the cost of, of other competitors in the space. That's just that's just insane. Well, then how does I mean? But then how down the road do I or do you deal with a, a guy like myself who bought it? Or I don't even remember. Did you give me a code or did I buy it? I can't remember which way I went. Um, I think I, tr I I gave you a code, but unfortunately with uh, the upstore, I think you can't. It, it's just for a month, so I so you had to buy it. I I guess I don't I don't know which way it was, but either way, I mean down the road. I've gotten my five. In fact, I'll say right now, I've gotten my five dollars worth out of it. Do you see perhaps maybe every now and then an entirely different version of the app, like Sheet Music Scanner two or three, like a full new release? I will see. So uh, I can tell you this uh, without uh, telling too much. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, so the way it's going, it's growing. The the sales have been growing, uh, kind of constantly. So I can see it's my guess is that it's word of mouth that people just see that it works and it helps them and they tell their uh, each person tells another zero one point zero one person <laughs> and that's that's how it spreads. So my uh, I, I what I would want to achieve here I, I would want to sell it to a lot of people and then I'll be able to spend more time right so. Uh, it's it's the volume that I'm after. Yeah, please don't go to a um, ad base though. <laughs> no, 
no ads, no subscriptions, please. I mean, that's what I would say, but that's just me. No, so so when I look at it, so that's exactly what I said. Uh, I uh, I hate subscriptions myself, uh, and uh, I so so you asked me about the future. Uh, so the way I want to do it is, I want to uh, uh, the way you can help me. Um, the most you can do is to share, to spread the word. That's uh, that's how I see it. I might uh, try to increase the price by dollar or two max uh, once it reads once I'm happy with that it's like a finished product. Um, but uh, I, I won't be I won't be going the way that I would uh, create a new version. I mean, like a separate product. Uh, what I might do is. Um, one of those buckets of features that I have uh, on my to-do list, I might pack them as an add-on. So let's say people ask for, let's say, uh, something for practicing that you can, I don't know, metronome, or uh, you can repeat one section again and again. Uh, so this, this functionality so far, it doesn't fit in the app too much yet, but I might add it as an add-on for that $2. So that, that that's how I see it, but uh, I'm after the volume. That's the uh, that's uh, that's what I want to achieve. I'm not there yet that I would be. Uh, it's still my side job, but uh, if it reaches a certain volume, I might consider doing it full time. Well, and I I think that's a smart marketing strategy because if I, as I talk to my students, it's kind of an I get tired of them only buying $1 apps. You know, I talked to him about the sheet music scanner and it's, what is it right now? Like $5? I think it's four. Four, $4. <laughs> and they kind of, their eyes get a little bit big at first until we really sit down and talk about some of the history of the fact that, hey, a few years ago, this technology would have cost you several hundred dollars. And now it's a measly $4. And then I show them what it can do and they're like, oh, Okay, well, maybe $4 isn't so bad. But until they get that knowledge of what was and what is possible, $4 seems like a lot of money to a lot of people when they're buying apps. And it shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 strange world. <laughs> but, but to be fair, um, I remember, I, I know people who are their businesses 10, 15 years ago, and uh, they were usually trying to sell it through their website. But with uh, the App Store or the Google Store, you have, uh, uh, when I publish the app, uh, I have a sales channel to a billion people. That's insane. I think it's billion now, right? I think so. It's it's massive. And that's one of the benefits. And that's why Apple's been able to pull this off is they have that one spot where everybody goes. Of course, then trying to find your app in the middle of that sea of apps is... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You've got to get featured somehow, and people got to share it, like you mentioned. People talking to other people is huge. No, so so it's just one thing. How how what would really help me? Uh, so if I was after uh, audience like yourselves, like uh, teachers or people who process music, I can imagine that I could push the price and uh, I can focus on that more. But just because I'm uh, I'm after any hobby musicians. I think I, I want to keep the price low, but I, I think that there's masses of people out there. It seems to be growing, but if you can, if you have any idea how to spread the word further, how to tell people that there is an app and just 
give me feedback tell me what you want there that would be great that's what helps me most i wanted to ask you um one of the things that was missing before and i don't know if it still is because again I'm, I'm out of my season temporarily of scanning is triplets were were not yet being recognized how is that coming along with the recognition of triplets yes so that's uh that's planned either for the release now with the with the improvements or right after that so i hope to get it done in, let's say five six months uh the reason why so my, my philosophy around the app is that it needs to be simple and it needs to work most of the time um with triplets the tricky thing is and, and i've seen actually with the other apps um, that they do scan triplets i could actually do it uh, probably very quickly but uh the problem is that it would, um, if it's not 100% re reliable, by adding that feature, you might actually make it worse in some cases, if you know what I mean. Like it, it might see triplets where they are not, and uh, this is the difficult bit. So it's it's to to have solid um, foundation of the app and just try to add features only when they are um, when it's rock solid. So I don't I don't want to go the way that it recognizes. Uh, it recognizes majority, but uh, then it somehow doesn't recognize the rhythm. And then just because of this one feature, it might actually make it worse, if, if you know what I mean. No, I absolutely know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So so that's why it, it takes more time, because I want to do it. Um, I have my own ways of uh, combining and building on top of what I've built already. So that's why it, it takes more time, just because I want to get it right. I appreciate that. After talking to you for a little bit, I can tell why your app does work so well because you have that drive to make sure it... Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> dedication to the perfection of it is obvious. So I can tell you actually one thing that's uh, different. That's uh, I think that's different to other apps, even to uh, Neuritron. The, um, so, so they use a different approach. Like, I'm not going to talk about the... Uh, they are called Neurotron, so it uses neural networks, like software neural networks. Uh, so they use different approach. But one thing that, I've, to my knowledge, nobody does, and only my app does, is that it um, it can read um, real camera pictures, even if they are a bit distorted. It can actually deal with it. And I, I designed it with this in mind, so that it's not a perfect scan. So that's uh, it's it's like when you take the picture and it's it's slightly at an angle it it's uh, the app uh, straightens it up first if you've noticed i've noticed because i've played around with it enough <laughs> yeah so this is actually one thing that i haven't seen anywhere and it's not uh it's not uh, you would expect it from a mobile app because nobody people usually aren't able to keep it straight and flat to the surface so, so this is one thing that i read in the academic research as i was doing my research and uh None of the software does it. I don't. I don't know. Why. It's not straightforward. It's difficult, but uh, but it is doable. So that's one thing that uh, people don't think about it, but that's that's why it works. I know, and like when you're scanning with your app, I can see the grid lines, and I always try to line it up, but it never works. <laughs> but then it recognizes it pretty well. So one of the other things that I love too, David, is and this actually goes back to that last statement is that I had a situation where I was trying to scan something that was computer generated that I had made myself or something. And at the time the app wouldn't scan it because it was too straight. So I, I think you've addressed that problem, but I mean, 
how funny is that 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 actually the app was looking for for human error too which was kind of fun yes that's that's exactly what i mean so it's i can only work uh, i can only work with the samples that i have and uh, i so today i think i have a few hundred scores test scores and various angles but uh, most actually half of it i think it's thanks to kind users uh, i get a lot of feedback and i really appreciate it because that, that's how you get the variety how uh, I can get various angles, various issues, combinations I've never seen before. Now, when I present um, on the, the topic of scanning, which is something I'm very passionate about, and again, my function is always to get off of the paper into something else, not necessarily in the app. So the the scanning and letting it play, um, that isn't that big of a deal for me, but I get it. And in fact, there's even a Another app, I don't know if you played with it, called What's My Note that's actually kind of made for choral people so that it actually, you touch your note as you scan it and it plays it back, which is kind of a different thought to me. I mean, I, I don't have any problem with that. That gets out of my normal workflow. But when I present on scanning, I usually start off with Neurotron showing the, the full gamut of the things it can do, bringing in text, all that stuff. But then I always move to your app and the discussion becomes, okay, if you buy that on desktop, Neurotron on desktop, it's $250. Okay, that's that's what you're going to pay for that. Plus, you need a computer, plus you need a scanner. If you're going to move to Neurotron on your phone, which, again, compared to the, the, the other system, just about as accurate, but on your phone, it's still $70. And, again, I don't think that's a problem. I paid that $70 and smiled about it because it was a, such a great workload change. But then I talk about, okay, and then here's Sheet Music Scanner. And it's five bucks. And people literally, I've actually heard people use a swear word when I present, when, when we get to that point. And they, they actually are, in fact, um, Robbie Byrne Byrne shared a story with me when I was up in Maryland that after one of my sessions, a, a good friend of him came over and started weeping. I mean, actually crying in his arms. She had um, spent hours and hours re-entering music into Finale or Sibelius or whatever it was. Uh, note by note, and she just looked at him and said, I wasted so much of my life without without this technology. And I think we've all done it. You know, we've all, Paul, I know you've done it, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. And this can literally save hours. Now, there's going to be cleanup, right? Yeah, there's going to be cleanup. But if you can get a clean first scan, that's awesome. Now, my big, my other questions for you, too, David, are like this. Number one, have you had any reaction from any of the other publishers i'm not asking for names or anything of of people saying anything to you and then my other question is um we talked about it once has there been any discussion with like a company like notion where you could embed everything in one app you know kind of deal can you speak to either of those two things and if you can't that's okay too uh yes yes absolutely um i actually haven't heard from any competitor as such, um, I, <laughs> I, I don't know whether they've noticed uh, my app. Uh, I know for sure that there is one app that I'm not going to name, and that's I think it's free at this point, and it doesn't it didn't work for me too much. It's it's uh, yeah. There's there's one little app that I noticed that uh, was born like two years ago, and I to, to what I can tell that they didn't. Uh, they discontinued the works from uh, what I can see from the updates, and they. Uh, uh, the reason why I know about this app is that uh, 
they uh, I, on my LinkedIn profile, someone looked at me and I checked the person and he was a developer for that app. So um, that's how I, that, so I know that uh, at least one of them, one of the competitors know about me. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I, I, I don't know. I'm probably, I'm too small. I think, I think my target audience is slightly different to, to these uh, guys. Um, so from and from a complementary app, let's say like composers, um, like view score or notation. I've actually talked to uh, Notion actually. So um, I've heard of Notion because uh, many users use it with my app. So they use my app to. Uh, they used to use it with MIDI and. Now we don't music XML, and then they use Notion to edit it and to work with it further. Um, so that's a great app. Uh, I love it. I can appreciate it as a software engineer how it's uh, how uh, how it's uh, done. Uh, so I talked to them. Um, they uh, said that it would. That they have thought about it, but it's uh, it's it's on their it's on their long term list. That's what I said. Um, so these, uh, so so that's Notion, and then uh, MuseScore, uh, where I, the last time I talked to them, they just, uh, well, I talked to them twice, I think, and uh, I sent them a voucher, or maybe they said that they bought it because they they saw it on your blog, Chris, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they said they said that they were looking into it too, but that they were busy with some releases, or I don't know, I don't know whether it fits in uh, their app the way it is now, but I, it is. Uh, fairly doable for myself to package it as a as a library as an add-on and to to share it with these companies the question is i i don't know how well it would fit in in one of those i think it might well i mean look at finale you know that that whole deal where they were gonna work again with another company and they were gonna um make it so you could take a picture with your phone and then import in finale and then the composers and the publishers freaked out um, particularly on Facebook, and then they've pulled scanning altogether from Finale. So I would think right off the bat, you'd have an audience of an entire generation of Finale users that no longer have scanning that'd be willing to spend $5 on an app that worked better than what was ever there before um, embedded in Finale. And and that's nothing against Finale because it wasn't Make Music's own product. I'm trying not to be negative about that particular um, scanning app, but it just isn't as accurate as others. And uh, it's just a huge market. But what I what we said before we started the call was one of the things I love about your app is it's incredibly disruptive because these other companies have been at the game for more than 20 years. And again, don't get me wrong. I love Neurotron. Um, I very much love what um, Martin, who's the CEO there, is doing and, and the advances that they've made and the things that they've done. But it's also good to have other options, and it's fantastic to have a really inexpensive option that works pretty well. I mean, that, that scans a lot. Now, granted, are there things you're going to have to clean up? Yeah, if you have triplets, yeah, you're going to have to go in and import or export to, to Notion and clean it up. But it's amazing how much your app does. And for $5, it's, it's one of those that it's like, it's a no-brainer to people. It's, it's along with Notion right now which is on sale and probably when this podcast hits it'll no longer be on sale but notion right now is eight bucks um you, you can't argue with yeah yeah it's on sale right now as we talk so if you know anybody that doesn't have notion let them know 
you know, and I think Chris is right. That's one of the problems with the iOS platform is there's so many cool apps and it's not just in the music portion of, of, of using my iPad and phone and such, but there's so many apps where I could look at two or three different apps and say, you know, if these two apps were embedded into one app, it'd be the perfect solution. And this is one of those things where Chris is right. If we could get this embedded into whatever, some of these other notation apps, it would be amazing. Of course, it's not that hard to scan it in one app and bump it over, but you know, it's one one more additional step. And as a technology person, I don't mind playing with things like that. But those extra steps you have to take out for for some of the other people who have issues or they just don't like messing around with things, the less steps, the better. So it'd be nice. It would be nice to see it embedded into a notation app. I was just like another option, obviously, would be to, uh, and I've actually got asked a lot uh, about adding a simple editor, but that it's funny how people don't realize they said like just a simple editor just to fix something, and I'm like, yeah, but that's that's even more difficult than the scanner. <laughs> like it's it's basically an app itself, and it would take me three years to do it. <laughs> yeah, it would. it would. I saw that on your website as something that you might add, but. It is at the bottom of the list. <laughs> uh, actually, I I might actually. Sorry, just to finish off the idea. It's a so one thing that actually uh, is doable, and I'm considering is not to have a fully fledged editor, but to have a like a cleanup editor and like an assisted editor, and that might be a completely different approach. I have some uh, ideas uh, around it, but it's just I need to get to it. So that's a uh, I might consider it. If if you do that, try to make it in a way that that you could change notes smartly. Like it would suggest certain notes <laughs> instead of having to like, you know, pick off a menu, you could touch it and hold it in a note that was wrong and then maybe choose what was right, you know, from a, a selection, something, just something different. Because again, I, I would just tell people, look, you've got Notion right there in iOS. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm part of Symphony Pro's beta team. Um, still, it's, it's still not quite there. And just wondering where that goes. But the other thing I was going to say too, David, is you, you can't lose track. And Paul and I have both seen this. We're now seven years into this whole iPad experience. And there are still people who haven't heard of Fourscore or Unreal Book and what it can do just for a music teacher in terms of just displaying music. It, it's amazing. So we go to conventions and you think that you're just repeating stuff and people are bored out of their mind. And people are, are writing down furiously because they've never seen it. And you're like, how, do, how have you not seen this? So just getting that news out about your app is, I think, person to person is great. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you could do it in a non-annoying way to just say to people, hey, um, <laughs> if, if you can, please, you know, just say a good word about my app to somebody else and introduce it to somebody else. But I, I don't know how you could do that without annoying people with a pop-up box, pop box because people get annoyed at, at that too, you know? Yeah, it's I, I don't know. I believe in the value in the actual value of the app. So I, I believe that if if it is useful, it will spread. Um, and you can tell maybe my design and the screenshots haven't been updated for, I think, two years now. Uh, I know I know about it. It's in progress. Now I'll have a, actually even a user interface redesigned this year because I now now it's the time. But uh, I don't think that is that important. So people don't, I've never heard anyone complaining about the interface or it's difficult. What I see in the survey, people say, 
it's the, uh, uh, so there's someone who who said, "Oh, I'm an I'm an old choir lady, and uh, I use it. Your app is simple to use. That's why I use it. So that please that's that's brilliant. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. So I'm trying to make it so easy and so seamless that anyone can use it. Whereas what you're talking about is slightly different audience. So with uh, editors, you have to be a bit uh, tech savvy. You have to, you have to be active user of technologies and that's um i i want to reach those people too but i i i just believe that uh, it needs to be useful and then it will spread and obviously I, i'm working on some marketing strategies but it's uh i, I think i believe in the value itself oh, i believe in it too it, it's wonderful and if more people would share with their friends i think that would catch on too because it takes me like five minutes to show somebody this stuff, and then they're like, "Okay, I'm going to go buy it." <laughs> it it spreads itself, so you can tell there. It it does actually grow. So, I, I the, the most difficult time was at the very beginning when I didn't know how to approach it and whether people would like it, and if they don't like it, why they don't like it. So to get them talk to me, that that was the biggest challenge at the very beginning. I got a review. And the review said, it doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, that's great. <laughs> well, how can... And there was no way how... I don't know whether you're familiar with it, but there was no way how to uh, how to talk to people on the App Store. So th there was no way how to now respond. Now there is. Now there is, yeah, that's great. <laughs> have you used that much since that capability came out? I have used it uh, three times. Um, okay. I have... Uh, so it's, I think it's been out for a month now. And, yeah. and I got two, I think, or three bad reviews since. Uh, majority are, is positive now, so I'm, I'm happy. Uh, but sometimes people just say, and it's usually something like, it doesn't work, don't bother. And uh, I, I would even, uh, whenever someone is unhappy or doesn't work for their partic particular kind of music, uh, I, I, use, I try to work it out, offer them refund. I, I just want to work with them. Um, but if they don't talk to me, then I, I obviously have no idea what, what went wrong and I can't even, I, I just don't know. So what I did was I, I always, in, in the feedback, I say, uh, I'm sorry to hear about that, uh, about your issues or about the issues. Um, it's uh, optical recognition, so it, it does rec um, need good print and good picture of the print. Um, if you can send me a picture, I can uh, um, I can help you most most of the time. So I, I, that's how I use it. I, I usually offer help, uh, put my support email there. And uh, and it's not that hard with inside of your app to find your support email right there too. So hopefully people use that because obviously you're willing to talk to people. They, so. they do, yeah. Good. Yeah, they, they do. They, there's a help link, so they, they do use it. They send me uh, pictures of the score, so that's, that's great. Actually, here's the related question. How how much feedback do you get? Do you get overloaded, or do you get just enough? That's quite interesting. So at the beginning, I, I get... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, definitely don't get overloaded. Um, I do get, let's say, a few, few emails a week. And uh, the emails... So people email about issues most of the time, and sometimes about uh, feature suggestions. And with issues, obviously, if you 
fix something. So when I fixed something in the past, I started getting less of these. So as the app gets better, uh, and uh, so so that's actually this one thing that that affects it. And another one is that uh, people have typically some usability issues that let's say I don't know how to add a new page, right? So so what I do is uh, if I get a third email or fourth about the same issue, I add it to the frequently asked questions um, and they can see it in the app. They can open it using the help button. Um, so that that way I reduce it too. I have a, a functionality question for you too, David. The issue of percussion staves. Is, is there any possible solution to the nightmare of scanning a percussion score? By nightmare, uh, do you mean that my app doesn't read it, or in general, it's difficult to get it scanned? Just in general, it's nearly impossible to scan those. I'm not even saying your app specifically, but just in general, with everything else in the market. Really, I actually, I, so I, I've got, uh, I've heard uh, from a few users uh, have uh, asked for it, so it is on my list. Uh, it's a bit lower, but it, it is doable. So I, and I don't see actually why. It, it would be difficult. There's two or three um, variations that I'm aware of. Uh, the most annoying one, from my point of view as a software engineer, is the from the Unreal book. Uh, they they use uh, percussion notation together with other notes, and they mix it in on the same stuff. So that that might be a bit challenging. But if it's a separate percussion uh, stuff, like a separate uh, voice, it should be. I don't see why it's wouldn't be doable. It's it's just uh, it just doesn't um, it's not overlapping with what I have in the app so far. So that's why it's not there yet. Um, I've heard uh, <laughs> there was a funny story. So I I had a Christmas party with my team uh, from work, and uh, one of the guys I didn't know he's a drummer. So he was complaining. <laughs> he doesn't read his uh, percussion music. So now I have a feature request from a colleague. <laughs> Well, I think one of the problems with trying to recognize that percussion music is sometimes it's on a five-line staff, sometimes it's a two-line, sometimes it's a one-line staff, and then they use different kinds of note heads as well. Um, and so, I, yeah, I would agree with Chris. It's been an issue, and it still is. So it would be nice if you could fix it. Okay, that's, that, that's great, actually, to hear. I, I, I wasn't aware of it because I'm not a drummer. I um, And it doesn't look difficult when I look at it. Uh, it's, and by the way, all any issues that you talk about that something is difficult and it's tedious to work with, it's all doable. Like I don't see this up, this kind of technology can be pushed much further. It's just about uh, time and uh, budget. Uh, so that's uh, it. Just it's slow to progress from my perspective, uh, but it's doable. So it's uh, if you say per percussion, that uh, sounds like a challenge. <laughs> I'll write it down. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I always leave the percussion part till last because the rest of the stuff with apps like yours has become really pretty darned easy to do. But percussion has always just been tedious. So yeah, band directors always say that. Um, it's quite interesting. So so, and even with the like fully fledged desktop apps scanners. It is. is. Is it difficult even with them? Yes. Some of them just don't even bother. They'll just tell you in the, in, in right up front, we don't do it. So, yeah, it's it's 
even with the $250 apps, it's it's an issue. So uh, no, I can tell you one thing. So I, I actually have considered it. So I have this uh, survey here and I can tell you. So my last question of the survey was what functionality or recognition improvements would you most like to see? And uh, there's few things like note editor, recognition, like just general improvement in recognition accuracy, triplets, dynamics, grace notes, and there's also percussion, and it got the least votes. It, it, it cost 11%. <laughs> so I'll get to it, but maybe probably next year, realistically. It's, it's just I, I'm driven by user feedback. Well, and you know, I think probably the reason that it's got less votes is because let's be honest most percussionists don't even bother reading the music anyways it's for uh those of us in the music education field and some of the percussionists that are reading the music and uh so yeah we, we'll use it when you get around to it and percussion people you can email your complaints about that particular statement to paul shimmons no just kidding paul <laughs> i know i got myself in a lot of hot water there didn't i but I'm uh, telling you what, doggone it! I'm I'm the band room floor in here. That's the most picked up piece of music is the percussion music. So maybe it's just my students. <laughs> that, that's good feedback. I I I, I wasn't aware of the uh, so so I, I combine. Uh, so one thing that I can tell you is the, the way I try to decide what to work on next is it's not only uh, what people want the most, but I also consider what is not there yet. So with the PDF stuff uh, not only people ask for it but i also uh heard i think from you chris that there was no up doing that so i was and, uh, and some people said that they had their uh, music collection in in dropbox or somewhere in the cloud drive so that's how i decided so with percussion actually i might uh, i might push it a bit up on the list <laughs> well that'd be a first and would set you apart it would it would definitely hey david Where's the spot where you push out new information first? Is it on Twitter? Is it on your website? It's on, uh, so my website at the moment is just uh, like a front to the, the app store and there's some help, but I, I use uh, my Facebook page. I try to use Twitter as well, but I'm not a Twitter person. I mostly use uh, Facebook and then I share some stuff on Twitter. Um, I always have it on the website, but uh, if you want to talk to me, um, you can use uh, email info uh, at sheetmusicscanner.com or the support one, which is support at sheetmusicscanner.com um, or else the Facebook page. Uh, you, you can share some messages on uh, Facebook pictures via Cloud Drive. So the Facebook uh, URL is facebook.com uh, slash sheetmusicscanner. I always respond within a day, let's say. Uh, I haven't been swamped yet with the user feedback. Um, so feel free to suggest anything. Uh, and regarding new features, so I try to, as I said, the Facebook feed, then on the website, I always mark, uh, I try to highlight what is new. Uh, and eventually I, uh, so I'm considering about uh, redoing my website so that it's more up-to-date professional look and I will uh, I will probably start a blog there, so I might have some uh, uh, technology articles about how to uh, how to scan music and what you can do with it. Well, when you do, email Paul and I, and we'll be happy to send 
you know, send people your direction too from our site. No, no problems. No, I will. I will uh, link you <laughs> there. So we're we're about an hour into our chat, and we should probably get going here. Paul, is there any other questions you wanted to ask David before we headed out? I don't think so. I just got to say again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for what you're doing. I'm excited to see what you add in next. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me and for giving me the space and uh, for spreading the word. And uh, please give me feedback and do talk to me, send me emails and uh, whatever comes to your mind. Um, it's really It really helps. Yeah, thanks again, David, yeah, for joining us. This has been fantastic um, to get an, a little bit more of a view of not only your app, but again, how some of the things work. And thank you for being willing to share those things with us. And I really mean that. And um, if, if you are a music educator and you try to scan anything and you don't have a sheet music scanner yet downloaded on your phone, go download it today. It's it's a purchase that's definitely worth it. And you can own that and products from other companies without any conflict whatsoever. And you'll, you'll be surprised at how these things can fit into your workflow. So thank you, David, again for joining us. Thank you, Paul. And this has been the Music and Education Technology Podcast. We'll be back soon with another podcast. And we want to thank you for listening. 